Mrs. Whitman's Miraculous Christmas Tree I must confess that when I first encountered the tale of Mrs. Whitman's Miraculous Christmas Tree, I was skeptical at best, and hostile at worst. This point must be understood very clearly from the outset. For what I discovered? Well, we'll get to that presently. I had no intentions of seeking out Mrs. Whitman in the beginning. None at all. The story that came annually to my ears was just that. A story and nothing more. It could not possibly be true, after all. It was nothing but a Christmas tale to amuse children in the gullible. As the years passed, I became privy to inside information about Mrs. Whitman that made me even more of a disbeliever. My barber's wife's brother's secretary knew a woman whose cousin's sister-in-law knew the boy who shoveled the snow from Mrs. Whitman's sidewalk. The details, related to me in confidence, were so preposterous that I had no doubt the tale of Mrs. Whitman's miraculous Christmas tree could be anything but entirely false. One of my friends, being more trusting, or more gullible, depending on how one looked at it, did not react to the particulars of the story as I did. Indeed, he took the tale ever more to heart and insisted that it must be true. I argued the point, of course, as any sane being would, but he would not be dissuaded from his false beliefs. He even went so far as to bet me a hundred dollars that the tale was true. Partly to teach my friend a lesson and partly to lighten his wallet, I took the bet and set out in search of the very Mrs. Whitman of the tale. I was confident I would discover falsehood and return to enrich myself with my friend's foolishly wagered funds. Locating Mrs. Whitman was not as easy as it might seem. My barber's wife's brother's secretary's friend's cousin's sister-in-law revealed many peculiar particulars of the tale, but not the location of Mrs. Whitman herself. I momentarily considered approaching my barber for the information, but by the time my request made it along the chain and the reply came back, it would likely be well after Christmas. Christmas was, in fact, only days away. It was either find Mrs. Whitman now or wait another year to collect on my bet. The tale vaguely related that Mrs. Whitman resided in a small town in the neighboring county of Pike. The size of the town was of no assistance, for all the towns in Pike County were small. That the number of towns in the county was few was of considerably more help. I traveled to said county and began to discreetly inquire as to Mrs. Whitman's whereabouts. I will not tire your mind with my quest, for, though long, it was not particularly interesting. Suffice it to say that a waitress in a small cafe pointed me toward Winslow and the residence of Mrs. Whitman herself. In minutes, I had driven to the pleasant, if not quite charming, little town located on the banks of the Potoka River. There was little to recommend the town except for a small grocery and the obligatory gas station. I did note the presence of a modern-looking library. The citizens were obviously possessed of some pride, for the main street was well decorated for the season. All in all, Winslow did not look as if it was a bad place to live. I pulled up to the address given me. It belonged to an antique house that, despite my familiarity with architecture, I could not quite place in time. It was old in any event, and a bit on the worn and shabby side. Still, it presented a pleasant, homey ambiance and seemed just the right kind of place for the famous Mrs. Whitman to reside. Gaining entrance to Mrs. Whitman's abode was not as easy as finding it after I'd been given directions. Her nurse, a fairly disagreeable woman named Susan, refused me entrance. It seemed that I was not the first to come seeking to establish the veracity of Mrs. Whitman's tale. Unlike the others, I'd come with a secret weapon. I would like to claim that I foresaw the difficulty of gaining entrance to Mrs. Whitman's home, but truth to tell, I merely brought her a token of thanks for her time. One detail I remembered from the story was that Mrs. Whitman was fond of flowers, red and white carnations specifically. 
When I presented the bouquet, Susan decided that I was a cut above the rest and agreed to inquire as to whether or not Mrs. Whitman would receive me. After some minutes spent standing in a long hallway filled with Victorian prints and photos of no doubt long-dead relatives, Susan returned to escort me into the presence of Mrs. Whitman. Mrs. Whitman received me in an old-fashioned parlor from the Victorian era. The furniture, the objet d'art, and even the wallpaper dated to a hundred years or more before. Mrs. Whitman might well have been of the same age. When I set my eyes upon her, I knew without doubt that part of her tale was true. Mrs. Whitman was confined to her wheelchair, and most certainly could not have decorated the allegedly miraculous Christmas tree herself. Even if she'd not been confined to her wheelchair, she was far too old and frail to hazard decorating a purportedly 16-foot tree. That did not, of course, eliminate the distinct possibility that others set up the tree and decorated it for her, as had been my suspicion all along. 